This week on the reverse stick. Um, what have we got, mate? Oh, not much, I don't think. Pretty quiet this week. Didn't see much on the socials. Yeah, Twitter was nothing there. Yeah. Huh? And welcome to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. I'm your co-host, John Lee, and the other co-hosty person is... I'm Matt Allen, and it's a pleasure to be here, John. How are you, young man? Oh, well, contrary to our introduction, what a week. What it's a been... Week. Uh, Exhausting. Has a little bit, and I must admit, this morning for the first time, I woke up going, oh... Oh, no, I really want to do this podcast. Oh, dear, that's a terrible, that's terrible seriously. thing to say. Um, it just seemed like uh, I didn't know where we were going to go or what we were going to do or say with it. It's uh, just been a very strange, divisive week. Um, it has, I think, for the hockey family. Um, now, we've got a feature interview coming up a little, a little later on in the show. Uh, Keely Dunn is joining us to talk about that hot topic. She is, and it is a bit hot topic, and we'll talk a little bit about our experiences too yeah. at both the our, our Olympic qualifier here, Australia and Russia, and uh, also Hockey One, which we got to catch for the first time live. Basically, on the Friday that we went, I know that we recorded the back end of the show last week. I was wearing the, the TRS T-shirt, yeah. and uh, someone came up to me and they said, "What does TRS stand for?" And they started throwing a few alternatives and you know what, what it might be. I got a uh, the right stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tiny Rabbit Shopping. Close uh, to the truth. T- tourist Refund Scheme. And, uh, tourist Refund Scheme. Well, and, we'll give them back tourists. And Total Ratchet. That's probably the closest. Now, we know, ladies and gentlemen, it's the reverse stick, and it is... Episode 118! It is indeed. Well, the big news this week, folks, of course, is the Olympic qualifiers, and we'll sort of break up exactly how we're going to talk about this. But first up, let's just... Go through the results, shall we, Matt? Do that. Um, we have to go back to last Friday evening, the very first of those um, games, Olympic qualifying games, was here in Perth. And it was Australia taking on the Russians. Um, and we had we had low expectations for this game, didn't we? It must be said. But um, the Russians showed us up. Uh, they put on a good performance going down... Four goals to two in the end in that first game. Yep. Uh, things were looking dodgy in the first two minutes when Australia had two goals on the board, and we were wondering how far. But credit to the Russians for fighting back and actually drawing level at one stage there in the second half. And um, perhaps just a bit of composure got the, the Australian girls across the top in the end. I agree, um, comrade. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk more about that soon. Uh, the next game up was the women's game between China and Belgium. Um, and it was the, the Belgium girls who got up in that first league, two goals to nil uh, I know. against well, China. Well, I home. thought it was one nil last week when I said that to you. And you went, no, they've, yeah. scored, they've just scored one. <laughs> yeah, like in the last, uh, something about last second goals this mm. weekend, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, the, the Chinese slotted, uh, the Belgians slotted a second there to take that two nil lead into the second game. Uh, then we move on to Espana and France, the men, uh, Quite an enthralling game that first one. Well, yeah, the French three 0 up. But yeah, you, and you, you don't once ro- again. You don't. How much. Yeah, you don't. You don't write a side off with Javi Leonard and Pau Kemada in there, do you? And they they came up with the goods to uh, to level that first leg. 
Well, that that almost went to script for a game involving Spain. One team was going to score a lot of goals early and the other team was going to score yeah. the goals late. It well, seems I, to be that's the way they go. I think I said last week there would be a, a late goal. I, what I was actually predicting was a, a, a win for one of the teams in one game and, and a reverse on the other with a late winner for the Spanish. But, uh, uh, yeah, 3-3 in that very first game. And uh, there was a doubleheader in Spain because the women took on uh, the Koreans in the uh, the last of the qualify, first round of qualifiers. Uh and that was a 2-1 victory to the Spanish girls over the Koreans. They'd be bitterly disappointed, I think, the Koreans with that result. But the Spanish girls played well and deserved the victory. Yep. That took us into the, um, the second round of games. So first up, it was China versus Belgium. Now, Belgium taking that, that two-goal lead into this game. Remember, it's an aggregate score. Um, couldn't go on with it because the Chinese managed to score twice. And, well, where are we got? Where are those blue dots happening there? Yeah, laid on. Laid on. Last quarter, managed to put two away to level the aggregate score at two all, and then proceeded to win the shootout, two goals to one. Uh, and, I mean, there's been a lot said about uh, dreams and careers and all that sort of stuff in the last few days. You've got to feel for the Belgium girls too. Well, yeah, but the Chinese, they, they brought it back, and that was the nature of the leg. They they lost 2-0, they won 2-0, um, and a pretty low conversion rate on the shootout. They go through 2-1 winners, and off to the Olympics. And, and as we'd heard pre- previous, there might have been some serious implications for Chinese hockey and, and their appearance in, in future pro leagues had they not made this Olympic qualification. So it doesn't matter w- which country you are in the world, when, when the majority of your funding is coming from your Olympic association, uh, it has an impact beyond just being in the Olympics, doesn't it? And the, both of those goals that they scored in the second game, the Chinese came within a minute or so of each other. They were very close to yeah. And at the very end of the game, you know, they, they didn't give up. They kept fighting, and it would have been very easy. By the time you get to that part of the game, you're two goals down. It can go a little bit either yeah. way in your head. Um, so congratulations to them. Then it was off to back here to Perth, and... Uh, the Australians did the job on the Russians in the second game here, winning 5 0. I think it was 4 0 at half time or close to it. Uh, yeah, it was all over. Uh, it was all over. Yeah, and yeah. I think the, the Russian girls just looked shot. I think the, the day before's game had taken a bit out of them. And it was a hot day. Yeah. Out on that pitch in Perth, you're, you're underneath the wind. You don't get the wind there. So no, even though that was an evening game, it was a still pre- it was a It was war, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They were in the sun. No, no, the girls, that game was 7 o'clock. No, but the day before. Oh, the day before, the day, yeah, day, took it out of them. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Three o'clock, yeah. hot sun, and it, and they put a tremendous effort in in that first game. And you could see that we saw them coming out of the stadium on the, the Thursday, mm-hmm. and they looked shot. They looked like they'd expand. They were bitterly disappointed, you could see that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just probably <laughs> a hill too far in there. Yeah. Um, so that was Australia and China going through. And then the next game coming up was uh, an intriguing match. The Netherlands and Pakistan. And Well, Pakistan had gone down twice to Germany by six goals uh, in their two warm-up games yeah. going into this. And everybody was predicting something similar in this game, weren't they? Uh, they were. And it was only a, a, a last-minute goal that... Um, yeah, Mink, brought, Mink popped up from the corner, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he popped one home and um, just forced the draw there. 
There was um, relief. There was relief over the faces of those Dutch guys, and you could see uh, you could see the Pakistani guys as well. Just could see that that opportunity had just slipped away from it, them. It's it's interesting because in the in the way that the qualifiers are set up, it's essentially the first game is half time at yeah. the end of the at the first game, and um, the 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 concept of the win still seemed to be more important than the concept of aggregate scores in yeah. the minds of the players. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, there was a lot of talk about going, if this wasn't the format and the return leg had to be in Lahore or Karachi, um, you could you could have a very different story, couldn't you? And and hats off to the Pakistanis. I mean, you know, they played very well and they put it they took it to the Dutch. A handful a handful of international games this season. A couple of big outs just before the game as well. Um yeah, and like I said last week, you can never not have an entertaining fixture between these two sides and uh, it certainly lived up to that. Well we did say on this podcast last week, Pakistan's one of those teams, when you write them off, yep. they come good, and when you back them, they fall over. Yeah. Okay, so interestingly poised at the halfway point was that particular contest. Um, where are we going? There's a test match there. We don't have that to worry about Second leg of the Spain-France. Uh, yes, Spain-France, the men, and it was a tense and tight tussle, it must be said. Uh Last third of the game played goalless, and it was Spain eventually overcoming the French. Three goals to two. Um, the French scored early to take the, the aggregate lead, and uh, but Spain fought back to score two more goals just before half-time. Uh, French did manage to uh, claw another goal back to make it two all, but then the um, almost immediately the Spanish went up the other end and went bang, thank you very much, three goals to two, and the score remained that for the rest of the game. Spain off to the Olympics. They and, are indeed, uh, on the men's. Dub- doubly so, because in the women's mm. game... Uh, the Spanish girls disposed of Korea, two goals to nil to take a 3-1 aggregate, uh, 4-1 aggregate score through there. Um, good performance from the um, Spanish girls, controlled the game, did what they had to do and uh, I was very protected dis- their lead. Very disappointed post-game. Why? AD, AD Locke, your uh, hair double being interviewed. What? My Sean Locke now, it's all gone. All the hair's gone off the back. But Sean Locke? <laughs> so he's a comedian, I don't know, but his, his locks are Sean. That's a very good yeah. part of that. Um, and, uh, but he's getting a bit of the facial hair going, so, uh, yeah, so, you're not far off with the beard there yourself. Okay. He's got a good sort of bush underneath the, underneath the chin. It's good it's orange colour, hip, isn't it? Style. Well, yeah, he's, he's, it looks like he's got a bit of Viking blood in him somewhere. Uh, okay. Well, well done to the Spanish girls, congratulations, and to the men too for making it. Uh, next game we came up with was our, well, first game of what proved to be a very contentious tie, and it was Canada versus Ireland in the men, played in Canada, and the first game was a 5-3 victory to the Irish. Goals galore. Yeah, eight goals scored in the game. Uh, The Irish came out and scored first, then the Canadians came out and went bang, bang, thanks very much for coming, and it was two goals to one in their favour. But things turned later in the game. The Irish scored the next two goals to be... 3-2 3-2 up. Uh, the Canadians dragged one back to make it 3-all, and then Ireland went bang, bang, five goals to three, and uh, took a very, well, reasonably healthy advantage of two goals into the uh, the following game. We'll get to that in a second. A round two of that qualifier. Um, oh, this doesn't want to work properly, Matt. Right at the end, as you want. Yeah, that's the one. So, um, it back was to the Netherlands? Netherlands, Pakistan, second half. 
And the game that we thought it was going to be occurred, and that was the Netherlands. Six, Pakistan won. Pakistan picked up a consolation goal in the last quarter there. Um, but that was the game we thought was going to happen on Friday. Yep. Um, and in some ways, probably Pakistan were never going to have the legs to play at the intensity that the Dutch Christ, could play what at. They for... played a handful of international yeah, games right. in, in, in 12 months. The squad was named two weeks before they travelled. Um, they then had big outs just just before they they got there. So to to get that four four draw is incredible testament to the um, the natural ability of those guys and um, and the coaching staff to bring them together to get a result like that in the Netherlands in such a big game. Whether they should have been there or not, that's a that's a different matter. To get that four four draw, got to be happy with that. But you look yeah. at look at the Pakistani press and um, suddenly. There's, it's, it's all in disrepair and there's all these issues with Pakistan. Oh, hang on a minute. We've had those issues six months ago, 12 months ago, 18 months ago. There's no new yeah. news there. Oh, get onto that a bit later on in the show, actually. Um, that left us with the final game, Matt. The final game. Now, I got up at something like 5.30 in the morning uh, to catch the second half of this one. Um, so got, oh, there, got there just in time. Bloody work. Um, yes, and... Well, what an interesting game it was. Uh, Ireland going into the game with a two-goal advantage, advantage yep. by aggregate. Um, and and they scored early, about six or seventh minute, to make it a three-goal advantage. Yep. But from that point on, it was Canada. And they, they worked and worked. The Ireland had a couple of opportunities. Perhaps they could have stretched their lead. But the Canadians managed to... Um, Bang on two goals during the uh, regular, say, second, well, second and third quarters. Regular time. Regular time. Uh, so we were sitting precariously with just seconds to remain, with uh, Ireland leading. What was that? Three. Oh, I can't remember now. It's all, <laughs> it's all kind of silly on me. Uh, Ireland had scored um, six five, wasn't it? Six five. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So with the seconds remaining in the game. Um, Ireland had possession. Yeah, looking, they had the look, ball. Looking to take time off the clock just to, to, to end, end out the game deep in the um, right corner for Canada. So they were tip-tapping around with the ball there and uh, turned the ball over, which led to uh, a Canadian entry into the D. But you didn't... Look, even at that point, when that ball went out from from the D, from the, Cana- from the Canadian end, it didn't look as though there was enough time on the clock to get anything. It, it would be speculative at best to and and you would think just if it were your eye just smash it into the d any angle yeah, you can get yeah. just get it in there and try and cause some kind of chaos yeah. maybe pick up a short corner who knows that's right oh. uh and of course i think for those of you who don't know uh an infringement occurred however i see this is where it all gets difficult it wasn't the umpire blowing a free hit it was uh the um, the ball had traveled over the back line a canadian player had Driven into the D, there was a tackle of sorts. The ball went over the back line. The umpire signalled 16, one second, that's it, game over. However, Canada still had a referral in they, their pocket. They did indeed. And, we, and chose to use and it. And we obviously talk about everything around this with Keely, but yeah, they chose to use it. They stepped up. They scored the stroke. I tell you what, Fitzgerald wasn't far off either, the Irish no, keeper. He, he went the right way. Um, uh, much well, The controversy was with the referral that, a stroke was given. I think the controversy isn't that an offence occurred. 
It's that the offence didn't warrant a penalty stroke. Yeah. That's it. As as we'll hear in our conversation yeah, we'll, with Kelly, we'll, 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 we'll cover. We'll cover but, my, but the Irish the Irish boys were celebrating some of them already because they thought they'd done enough, and yeah. then and then the referral came uh, in from the Canadians, which led to a shootout. And um, goal, 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 goal. Five four, the eventual score in the shootout, which means Canada goes through to the Olympic Games, and Ireland another heartbreak. Um, and fair to say, haven't taken it necessarily well, Matt. Uh, although it's easy to understand why a lot of Irish hockey supporters would be terribly upset with the way the game finished. Uh, yeah, heart, heartbreaking for them. Absolutely heartbreaking yep. for them. Yep. And for any nation that have poured um, money, time, effort, players, parents, coaches, uh, national association staff, the whole team that get involved to give you an opportunity to make it to the Olympic Games, yeah. uh, it's heartbreaking for everybody. But there's a lot of people who haven't made it. There's only 12 teams going. Yeah, and look, that's true of any sport. I mean, it's often this is the time of the sports cycle where you start seeing people ending up in the court of arbitration for sport <laughs> because different sports have different qualification criteria and blah, blah. You've got to have two pathways to qualify for the Olympics. That's part of the whole deal. And yeah. then there's... It, it can be a very messy time because a lot rides on it for a lot of people. And we said that the Canada-Ireland game was so important for so nations. It was almost a pity they had to play each other. Yeah. Um, because it is so important for their programs. And let's face it, if something's hurting Irish hockey or something's hurting Canadian hockey, it's hurting all of us in hockey. Yeah. I mean, I'd, so, I'd, I'd prefer to see Ireland and Canada through and Netherlands not going in. Oh, well, you know. Death, 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 death of men's, Dutch men's hockey, isn't it? Yeah, we'll leave that one in. I'll, I'm not editing that out. No, that's fine. That's, that, one's okay. just, that one's just for Ernst. Okay. Um, that it? Internationals? Uh, you not know, one test match. Playing. Canada uh, and Chile. China, Chile. Yeah. Uh, that must be the, um. Yeah, well, they're both over there in Europe, aren't they? Because Chile are playing yeah. against GB. Uh, that'd be the women, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, 3 0 victory to Canada there over. Chile. Uh, there has been an invitational international women's indoor hockey. Oh, it isn't. It's fantastic. What's that? An actual women's invitational tournament. Yes, yes, it is. It is fantastic. Um, uh, who's playing there? Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, Philippines, Philippines, Chinese Taipei, Nepal, Nepal, and Malaysia. Malaysia. And yeah, Philippines. We said. Yeah. So that's uh, a nice tournament happening there. There's been a few interesting. Ten nil. Malaysia got over the top of the Philippines. Um, Taipei beat uh, Nepal six one. Uzbekistan beat the Philippines five nil. Uzbekistan beat Nepal six nil. So good luck to all the ladies involved there, and enjoy your indoor hockey tournament. There's also a couple of other things coming out, which of course includes the rest of the qualifiers, Matt, for the. Um, Olympic Games. Well, let's uh, let's go, go through them quickly. Uh, Great Britain versus, in no particular order, we're starting with the, the, uh, the men here. Great Britain versus Malaysia. Um, oh, there's a few people I've been speaking to that reckon Malaysia are a big chance in this particular game. Yep. Oh, I'm not so sure. Big crowds at Lee Valley expected for that one. Yep. Uh, Germany versus Austria. You'd think the Germans would get through there. Um, New Zealand versus Korea. I was speaking to someone yesterday who's very, very bullish about the Koreans' chances at home, at, in New Zealand, yep. against New Zealand. And then, uh, a game I'm looking forward to. India versus Russia, the men. 
This, I reckon, is a banana skin game of the weekend. So, do you think we could see something similar to the Netherlands-Pakistan result in that in that opening game? No, I'm thinking more like Canada-Ireland. Right. I, I can just see that's that's the game where if something's going to go wrong that gets stuff talked about, Mate, this will be, the, be that game. That'll be the, the one game out of all of them that has got the most amount of cameras, the highest video production. And the biggest viewership. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Wait, Matt. Potentially a big banana peel. Okay, let's have a look at the uh, and those games will be played. Uh, this game's coming up tonight. I did have FH Live going before. Uh, coming up later today, India play the USA. Uh, that's the women, and then followed by India versus Russia, the men. Uh, then we've got New Zealand versus Korea. That's Saturday. Saturday. Thank you, Matt. It's hard to tell from this. Uh, then India versus USA tomorrow. Saturday, that's the return game. Great Britain versus Chile, the women, that's the first game on Saturday. Uh, the India-Russia men's return game follows the India-USA game on Saturday. Germany versus Italy, Italy. Uh, that's happening on Saturday, the first game. And then the games for the rest, so Great Britain Malaysia, the first game there, Saturday, as is German Germany-Austria, and then all the replay games on Sunday. Yeah. Wow, it's going to be a big no, 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 that's Saturday, no, no, that's the first, that's first game Ireland Canada oh, on yeah. Saturday. Put yeah. it this way: yeah, yeah. over the weekend, all of those games will be played, and we're going to be glued to it on FIH. Yeah, well, we should just go through the women's. Um, uh, Great Britain are playing Chile. Uh, Germany oh, you just did those. playing Italy. No, just mentioning the India versus USA and Ireland versus Canada. Right, yeah. that's going to be an interesting. Fixture for all the reasons that we'll be talking about very, very shortly. Oh, look, and, and, and also two, two fantastic sides in there that are, are on the up and the up, the Irish and the, the, the Canadians. So we're going to see a lot of good hockey there. And just quickly before we move on, uh, we've got some, uh, a couple of things coming up because there's really not much on the hockey calendar and through until we get to the Pro League next year. The indoor series, Republic of South Africa versus Switzerland. Um, that's happening in Durban, men and women, uh, 10th to 16th of November. Three, international, three Nations Invitational happening here in Australia for under 21 women in December. And uh, then the Pro League kicks off on the 11th of January next year for the women and the 17th of January for the men. I know with the, the Aussie girls and boys, they're off to um, play some uh, indoor internationals as well coming up. Just before we leave the news, John. Uh, Totana Brand Hockey One results from the week, oh, yeah, yeah. from the weekend. Um, well, of course, we went to the Perth Thundersticks versus the uh, New, New South Wales Pride, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, the women, it was a 2-0 win to the Thundersticks uh, over the Pride. In the men, it was an 8-1 win to the visitors, the Pride, over the Thundersticks. Um, also, we had Hockey Club Melbourne, the Chalk Milks, in the women's game, 5-2 victors over the Tassie <laughs> Tigers. Uh, this, these were Sunday <laughs> games. And Tassie Tigers, 6-5 winners over the uh, Hockey Club Melbourne, the Chalky Milks, after being 4-0 down, 4-1 down. Um, and it, it was an absolute amazing turnaround, uh, speared on by uh, Super Captain Eddie Ockenden. Uh, so, last round of games coming up. This weekend, John, and then we'll, we'll be into the finals, but we, we pretty much know, uh, the three, three sides from both the men's and the women's who are going through there. But, uh, yeah, games this weekend, we see New South Wales Pride take on Adelaide Fire, Canberra Chill take on Brisbane Blaze, and, no, hang on, what am I talking about? 
Well, I'm, I'm, looking looking at, I'm looking at the top of the screen here. Sunday, November the 3rd, that's what we want. Saturday, November the 2nd. Brisbane Blaze taking on New South Wales Pride. Tassie Tigers, top of the table. Tassie Tigers hosting the Thundersticks. And, and then on Sunday, the Hockey Club Melbourne taking on the Adelaide Fire at the State Netball and Hockey Centre in Melbourne. Should be an interesting round of Hockey 1. Well, we'll know who's, uh, who's going to be in the Final Four and playing in those final series. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. You did mention we were at Hockey One and the the Australia Russia qualifiers over the weekend. Well, it's a Um, a triple header of Hockey for us on the day. Plus Friday. Oh, of course. The first qualifier. Four games then we got we got in the total, but three games in one day, which started out on the Saturday at two o'clock. Um, at the Perth Hockey Stadium, and then 3:30, following up the uh, followed up the the women's game. Then we had a, a two-hour break, didn't we, John? Yeah, I think that's quite noticeable if you see any photos of us that there was a two-hour break between the hockey one and. The... Thanks, <laughs> thanks to Daryl for giving us a lift down to Pistol Pete's house uh, yes. for a little break in between the games, and you know, we're back in time for the the hockey Roos versus Russia with our signs. Yeah, with your was... hat. Uh, that the hat. Well, the hat featured um, the day prior. Um, with just you sitting in the stand, didn't it? It did. This time, this time around, we did better than that. We had three Russian supporters. If you if you got KO Sports, go to about one hour twenty one <laughs> minutes. Um, Chris Sharples is uh, delivering the commentary from Stockholm, so he wasn't there on site, but he was delivering, and he had a little chuckle when he said, "Oh look, here's the here's the Russian supporters in the crowd," and there we were with our stands, with our um, our signs, Vlad's lads, 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 yes. yes. It was uh, interesting because we were about the only three people in the whole stadium that were actually saying anything, when the, you know, cheering for Russia at all, which was a bit disappointing. Well, we were we were the lone Russian supporters. We were, um, but it's what it was. Had a great time. Well, after the game, we were we were having a uh, we well we tried to speak to a couple of the Russian players and they were just. Scared to death of having any were, kind of conversation with us. You could see their eyes were just... Oh, they, we were just being blanked. And and uh, then we started speaking to the interpreter, lovely fella. Uh, you might have caught him on, on the broadcast at the start, um, translating the coach's comments at the, at the interview. And we said, oh, you speak English? He said, yeah, we do. And as he spoke, started speaking to us, all the girls that were with him all just drifted away. <laughs> and it was just the three of us stood there. And uh, we had a brief little sort of uh, broken chat and off he goes and then he stops and he puts his bag down on the floor and he rifles around in the bag and then turns around and comes running back up to us uh, with these two little plastic bags with Russian Federation pin badges in them and, and gifted them to us and it was yeah. a, what a lovely touch it yeah, was it was beautiful nice. but uh, let's let's talk about the hockey for a bit okay so uh, we'll start with the uh, the hockey one because yep. it was our first opportunity to go and see these mm-hmm. games live yeah um, and on record as saying don't like that, uh, the extra goal, whatever they call it, what do they call it, the bonus goal? Conversion. Conversion. Yeah, right. conversion. It's definitely more against it than I was before I we went and watched it live. It just kills celebratory moments, dead. Yeah, and it was interesting to talk to people around us and, and, and just get in that take, do you like this? I don't really think it adds anything, and you know. Um, and the people trot back to the halfway line. Um, but yeah, look, we waiting. talked last week. We, yeah, that's waiting. It's just people waiting around for this yeah. thing to happen. And the player who scored the goal doesn't run back with their arms in the air, tapping teammates on the bum or anything like that. It's no. 
They're all yeah. a long, well, they're all a long way away because they've got to be past the halfway line. Haven't yeah, they? and uh, the bloke stands there. Girl, He's ready for the restart. Woman, yeah, it's just no. I don't like it at all. Uh, the other rule I've been bullish about has been the the cut in numbers on the bench. Yeah, so fourteen players. Yep, yeah, um, and in your game day squad. You know, once again, on record as thinking that fatigue should be more of a factor in the game. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to starting to drift a little bit. We're talking to Grant Schubert yep. on, on Saturday. Yeah, he was he was there as the boundary rider with doing the interviews for the in, on the pitch for the, the men's game. Yeah, uh, and yeah for the men's game. And he had a slightly different take on it than. I think he, he agrees that the fatigue should be a, a factor in sport, but what what's happening is that because you've got such a small bench, if someone gets injured, and we saw it with New South Wales, they lost... Um, Blake Govers. Blake Govers. On, on, on the shootout. Well, he, 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 they, he'd scored a goal. Yeah. He took the shoot the, 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 the shootout, shoot. and in doing the shootout, he injured himself in the abdominal regions. And you could tell from the moment oh, he did it, he, he was pretty he was innocuous. Shot. He yeah. walked off he tw- and got he tw- slower and slower yeah. and slower. He twisted and then he, he just grabbed that abdominal yeah. area, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah, d- didn't didn't look good. So straight away, fairly early into the game, they're then playing with 13 players. Yeah. Um, and then I think Lockie Sharp took a little bit of a knock of some sort, but he had to get out back out there at times. Because they had no one on the bench. Because, yeah, you've got two two players on the bench there. Yeah. So I I think there there's uh, while there are is room for finding ways to increase the fatigue load on players, it might not that might not be the answer after all. Well, what, the other point that should be made with it as well is by taking those two spots away, you limit the opportunity to get bench experience for youngsters who might not have played at that level before yeah. and get comfortable, but being in that setup, maybe getting a few minutes here and there, um, but you you lose that opportunity to to bring your next generation through in that kind of environment, which is another valid oh, point, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, no, true it is. And, you know, that's why we have these discussions and throw ideas out, is trying to find yeah. what is actually the best way, or maybe there's not a best way, and you just choose what you've got to choose. Yeah. Circumstance makes it. Um, but overall, I mean, the, the quality of hockey, apart from the fact that the Thundersticks oh, are... Got flogged. Well, yeah. They did get flogged, but you're up, up against they, they the likes of Flynn, o- Flynn Ogilvy, yeah. um, uh, Tim Brand, they, 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 heaps and heaps of top and, international quality there running through New South Wales. I, I don't want to get too into the whole details of, ta- of tactics and all that sort of stuff because it's not what we really, really do here. But um, I'll, I'll give you a detail. Yeah. Learn how to trap a hockey ball. That, that's a good one. But uh, that, it, that makes a difference. They were very poor at the back. A lot of the comment from people was, "What? Where's their system at the back? Not what is their system? Where is yeah. this? What? what it's just seemed to be a mess." Yeah, well, this is that's just coming from whinging Thundersticks fans. Yes, that's true. Followers, supporters. Yeah, and and it was quite deflating. I think that was because of the scoreline in the yeah. end. Um, did see a remarkable penalty stroke given, didn't we? Yeah. And, and an even even more, more remarkable save by the goalie. Yeah. But we'll we'll leave that to the video review expert, shall we? Um, overall, you throw a lot of good hockey players out onto a hockey field, and generally you're going to get a good hockey game. Yeah, no, there, was, there was some good pa- good passages you know. in that game. Yeah, I think the crowd were a little bit uh, after that game. I did see a few people leaving, and weren't they weren't hanging around for the women's game, which only started another 15 minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Uh, much more entertaining game, I thought. The the women's game, a, a closer contest, a two 0 win for the Thundersticks. Thundersticks were were up and at them a lot more in that game, um, and and deserved the win. 
New yeah, South Wales yeah. Pride, just surprising that they've had a bit of a shocking um, hockey one. The ladies team? Yeah, yeah. Have they? Yeah. Um, okay. I'd, I'd, I'd just expect more. I'd, I'd expect a hell of a lot more out of them. Um, but there you go. Yeah, well, the Thundersticks women haven't had the greatest season either, but no. I thought they were quite... Probably of bits that I've seen previous of them, they're probably a lot more composed. Yeah, I think they can still just sneak in if, yeah, if things, things go, 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 go their way. But uh, overall... Enjoyable enough experience. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't take a photo. I didn't post it anywhere with, of me with the the hockey one logo board behind me, with all of the the, oh, fran- the franchise. Is that the one that was hiding the the um, chocolate cl- milk? Yeah, hockey club Melbourne logo. They logo. must it must have been wrapped just around the corner because I could see every other logo on there. And no, the hockey it was, one it was, logo. Yeah, you know how because your head was in front of one of their logos. Ah, you know how it? your arm was stuck up at oh, the other one, 35 yeah. degrees, and then bent at the elbow by 15, and you had your hand up there like that. That was hiding the yeah. other one, and then your legs sticking out slightly yeah, poor sideways. Old poor old chop milk. They did a good job <laughs> in hiding that, didn't they? <laughs> they did. Um, then we were, we were there for the uh, two qualifiers as well. Australia versus Russia, and we talked a bit last week about the the first game that we attended, and you know the Russian girls put up a good fight. There's a couple of really good players. Um, we mentioned very, yeah, very, very very young squad. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of girls that were playing in the in the under 21s last time around. Yeah. Well, the goalkeeper wasn't as young as we thought. Uh, judging by her half goal post height stature, we were figuring she must have been about 14, but. Uh, no, I, don't I could look at the TMS now and find out, but she was well tatted anyway, wasn't she? Yeah, very inked up she was. She surprised us a little bit when she was taking a goalkeeper off and there was all that ink. Oh, well, hang on a sec, I wasn't expecting that. Well, we had a 35-degree day the following day, and uh, I was speaking to the, the Russian captain in the dugout afterwards and said, so what's going on? You're going to hang around for a couple of days and uh, enjoy the weather? No, flying in the morning. Oh, really? Uh, Back yeah. to minus 15 yeah, or something? beautiful. Um, yeah, the second game. Well, see, the first game, I, I also made the comment, I thought they got the raw end of the um, umpiring, the Russian girls, and I don't think it affected the result necessarily, but uh, we didn't think that they had video referrals no, 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 because on the there Friday was, no, game. There, no, there was no, no evidence of it at all on the Friday when and we were And the there. game was never stopped, and there were certainly several decisions, we thought, from the stands that um, it looked like if you had the opportunity to refer, you probably would have. Yeah. Um, but then again, is, you know, is, is experience a thing in coming to play there? Do, do the Russians have the opportunity to play with video referral very often? Um, because obviously the more you play with it, the more you're used to putting your hand up and, well, they, and having a call. The qualifying system they worked through didn't have um, yeah. video umpires, so who's to know? Um, uh, the second game, well, oh, they just ran out of legs. They didn't have it. The Australians yeah. had just looked fitter, stronger, you know, maybe the Russians had given everything in the first game and had nothing more in the second game, uh, which was a bit of a pity, really, because I think some people were going along there looking forward, following their efforts in the Friday game to see a little bit more fight. And I don't want to make that sound like the Russians weren't trying or anything. It just, that first game took it out of them. Yeah. Super crowd down there. Obviously, it was free entry. And different crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, different crowd from the, the Hockey One game. Yeah, that, Pe- that, people that crowd gone, went home. Yeah, not, there wouldn't have been many that hung around... Um, no. You know, for for all the games, but yeah, super super. I don't know what would it be two and a half thousand in there. Oh yeah, there? there would have been a few. There's too many for me to count. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, you, <laughs> you like count Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it was a, what, it was a very good day for us, and I got a photo. Oh, look, with the world's best goalkeeper. Yeah, you did. Well, we were just about to leave, and you said, "Oh, look, there's Rachel Lynch over there. Shall I go and ask her for a photo?" I'm going, "Oh, don't, mate, don't." But just being, but and then we talked about it for a moment, and went, 
Yeah, go on then, sorry, go on, go on, go on over. Go, Rach, Rach. Yeah, hi, I'm John. Can I have a photo, please? And I said, and I said, that's John Lee Hockey from Twitter, Rach. Uh, we're from the reverse stick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know you guys. Yeah, yeah. Take a lovely photo. And then the fellow that was with her, I don't know if it was her partner or husband, said, hang on a minute. You're the Russian! <laughs> and pointed at you. You got it right. I was the Russian. I am the Russian. He said, lovely. yeah, you were on the TV yesterday on the game. Yeah, I'm going to have to post that photo because it's quite nice. I like that one. Yeah. So, uh, uh, lovely to catch up with Rach. It was. Uh, but, you know, so it was just a super day out of the hockey. We weren't too pissy. We were, you know, a little, we, we little bit there. tipsy. We, we were there as private people, not there as the reverse stick. That's we were right. just having a little bit of fun and having a few chats. Lots, lots of good chats with lots of people all over yeah, the place. Yeah. It was a super um, day. Any, any chance you might get the nomination at the next FIH? <laughs> any chance, <laughs> mate? Uh, you, you were seen talking to some influential people there. No, well, I'm talk- I was just talking at. <laughs> talking at Mate, when you get an opportunity, you've just got to let them know what you think about the hockey world. Yeah, well, it's fair to say the Hockey Australia board knows who Matty Allen is now. Uh, yeah. Well, um, whilst we're talking about the hockey world, why don't we head to the other side of the hockey world? You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And uh, joining us to discuss all of the ins and outs of the incidents from the Olympic qualifier. Hot topic, topic, topic. <laughs> it is indeed. Is Keely Dunn. <laughs> Keely, welcome to the show once again. And uh, you've been pretty busy the last couple of days. Oh, you know, there's just been a, a conversation or two of a polite question here or there. You know, it's just the usual stuff. It's fine. And of course, the hot topic has indeed been the outcome of the Ireland versus Canada game, uh, particularly the second game in the Olympic qualifiers played uh, over last weekend. Those that didn't get their eyes on it, uh, Ireland won the first game 5-3, so took a two-goal advantage into the, the aggregate scoreline into the second game. Um, which Canada eventually ended up winning 3-1. Ireland were 2-1 down with about 18, 20 seconds to go, I believe. Maybe a little bit more than that. Um, Canada got the ball at the other end of the field, uh, drove into the D. Uh, basically, the buzzer went, but there was an infringement, possibly slightly before the buzzer went, and uh, the Canadians used the referral that they still had. It went up to the video umpire, and a penalty stroke was given, duly dispatched. Um, by the Canadians, uh, by Scott Tupper, the captain, which took the game into a shootout, and in sudden death, the Canadians made their way through to the Olympics, and the Irish missed out. That basically covers it. Now, the yes, reason that's very accurate. Yep. <laughs> the reason we've got you on, Keely, is course it's caused a great deal of controversy. Uh, there's many uh, different opinions being shared on on the, the incident itself, and. It's led to a far wider discussion about video referrals and a whole lot of other issues that the FIH has got to deal with or has failed to deal with. But let's just start with the incident in itself. We're, we're talking about the last few seconds of a game, and I believe that, that it was at the one-second mark where this infringement incurred. Now, how does it work with making a video referral when it's so close to the end of the game, the umpire, I believe, had actually blown time uh, before the Canadians had made their referral official. Now, what's the actual guidelines behind all of that? Okay, yeah. So Rule 5.1 uh, explicitly sets out in some of the italicized 
uh, extras in that paragraph that if the time expires just before her would have otherwise made a decision, they're permitted to make that decision immediately after the end of the quarter. And that includes a review by the umpires. Uh, even if time has subsequently been, you know, completed and the signal for the review comes right after, it's, it, it, they don't have to get their referral signal in before time expired. But they can review, they, they can come immediately after and say, hey, we want to review that for what has happened immediately before the whistle. So we've always been able to, as umpires, go back to something that we weren't sure about or we didn't have time to get our whistle to our mouth. Um, and it, it's, that has now incorporated the video referral process. So in this particular instance, the umpires on the field, uh, they blew, blew a, a 16, and so effectively that was the end of the game. Well, they, they signaled a 16 as time was expiring, and what happened that day, I don't, I don't know what was going on, but the, the horn that they had uh, on day one obviously wasn't functioning on day, day two, so the tech table was actually using a whistle, to indicate the end of all of the quarters. Um, so, so what you heard if you were watching the stream or you were there in person is that uh, there was the attempted tackle, the player goes down, and as the controlling umpire was showing his 50-meter signal, uh, the very loud end-of-time whistle went. So, um, but still, the question did go up, and uh, Ben was quite specific. He did ask, he said, can you make sure that the incident happened before yeah. time was called? Yeah. And uh, the video umpire did confirm that that was the case. Yeah. So there's no controversy whatsoever about anything to do with the timing of, of all of this incident. It's within the, the field of play, during play, and, and it's all good hunky-dory from that side of things. Now, just so the listeners understand, uh, so the Canadians have called for a referral. Do they need to be specific uh-huh. on the nature of that referral, um, or can it just be general in nature and it's then left up to the umpire and the video umpire to, to judge what they will? So the, the regulations are that the, the team has to ask a question. But we don't penalize them for not being able to verbalize precisely what happened. What, what they look at and, and they, they understand we've got to apply some empathy here. These players were at, you know, super heightened tensions. They've been running around like yeah. with chickens with their heads cut off. It's really difficult to, to, to find the correct words that, you know, umpires would understand to be this foul or that foul. They're, you know, they don't have to name a, a, a rule number and nothing like that. So the fact that the question came in, uh, as it did from Keegan Pereira, he asked for a body tackle. The fact that that may not have been exactly what occurred doesn't matter. The, the question starts to become important if another foul may have occurred before that happened. And so if they're asking for one thing, but there was actually a foul before that that would cause the team penalty award to go the other way, then the team, they might be correct that, hey, I say, for example, that obstruction did happen, but there was a foot before that, and it should have been a free out for the defense, for example. Then the team would not get their the penalty corner that they asked for, but they would also still keep their referral. And this is something that, 
was new at the European Championships, but it is part of the guidance that the umpires are now receiving at the top tournaments. So that was one of the questions that the Irish team was dealing with earlier in the game, or I think it was actually game one where that came up and it was quite confusing and there was a lot of conversation and the radios weren't working very well for them. And, and anyway, so it is a live issue, but it didn't come into play there. Um, it, 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 we're not going to be very particular about the words that are getting used by the players. Now, the on-field umpires, they had a fair bit of discussion, um, and then it went up to the video umpire. Take us through the process of what that video umpire would have in front of them and uh, available to use to, to, to make a decision. Right. Well, um, I understand that the usual uh, requirement for tournament hosts who ha- are providing video referrals uh, is that they're supposed to have 12 cameras available on the pitch, and that had been waived for the Olympic qualifiers and had been reduced to six. Uh, and I think this information just came out today from the FAH. I didn't see an original source, but I did see a tweet talking about that, and so I'm, I'm taking it on the face that, that that is the case. But I do know that in that particular situation that the video umpire actually had five angles from which to make uh, his decision at the time. And I know it's extremely frustrating for everybody. It's it's frustrating for me as I'm trying to analyze these matches as well from home is that um, we want to see exactly what the video umpire is looking at. But the technology that you need and and the amount of of communication, it, it gets really expensive to have all of those channels all going through the production and the director going, okay, now we're going to flip over to here. We're going to see this. We're going to see that. And it's just not available at most levels of video referrals at, at these hosted tournaments. We've had it a couple of times, but honestly, over the hundreds of matches I've been watching over the last, you know, year and a half, two years, it's very rare that we see anything except what is deliberately chosen and has been set aside as being this goes on the broadcast. So, yeah, the video umpire had more to look at and uh, better resolution, has the ability to go back and forth frame by frame and look at it repeat, you know, look at a certain angle a few times and all that kind of thing. So it is, it is a very different view. And I can see for fans at home, super frustrating to not know what the video umpire is seeing. What's the, the, the guidance for the, the length of time that you can have to make that decision? Is there a, a prescribed time, time limit? I believe it's four letters ASAP. Uh, <laughs> they, they know that they, it, 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 they're definitely instructed to, to arrive at the, the most correct decision. And, and, you know, the higher the stakes, the, the more care they're going to take and the more, the more, more time they're, they're really, really going to make sure that they get it right. Um, but they're also aware that this is a television production and there's not a lot of patience uh, for the not dead air, but the, you know, not very much happening kind of air that goes on when they're under the video review process. And um, I had I had only done in my career a couple games in the video booth. I didn't get a lot of chances to get practice at it. But as soon as that that question comes up to you and you start looking at the footage, it is literally the most 
it, it is like the entire world has stopped and everybody is looking at you. It is incredibly, incredibly nerve wracking. And you can't overstate the, the pressure that, that the, the video umpire is under to do everything right, to get all the steps right, to say the right words, to tick all the right boxes. And to actually get that correct decision, it's, it is really, really a, a big task. Yeah, Keely, what about the box itself, the physical place where you do this? How isolated are you from everything else that's going on? It completely varies from event to event. And okay. they obviously want, you, you know, you want to be close enough that you're, you're, you're able to sort of, you know, hear and tune in. But really the, the video on fire is, is uh, visually isolated from the field. They're not watching the game, um, you know, from, they're not watching the live view of the game. They're watching the game from the broadcast and from all of the feeds that they're getting in there. And so they're, they're quite set apart. And, you know, there's been some places where they've been, you know, <laughs> they've been a, a football field away because that's where they had to put the broadcast equipment and, yeah. And, and that sort of thing. Lee Valley apparently is quite famous for having to have the video umpire quite far away. And that's why they've had to bring in those, those big can headphones at times with the mics where the umpire would, you know, would be calling for the referral and then they go running over to the fence yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. grab the headphones and put them on and then talk to the video umpire. And that's because of the limitations of the radio systems and being able to communicate over large distances or through interference with different buildings that are around. And, that's the thing that they were up against in Vancouver as well, that the TV truck, as soon as they started transmitting, it started interfering with the radios. And it's, you know, they, they tested the heck out of it before the game started on day one. But until they were broadcasting live, they didn't know it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. So there was a lot of things that they were trying to sort through and ways that they had to change how they were operating in order to try to make the best conditions for the third team to work in. Now, there's been a fair bit of conversation around the, I say conversation, um, one-way conversation about the experience of the particular video umpire in this game. How do you get experience as a video umpire? Mm-hmm. Is, is, is this just uh, game day is the only time you're going to get it, or is, is there work that can be done outside of that? I, I, I guess that uh, there have to be some creative ways to do some training in that. Uh, you can do what I do, for example, which is just watch a heck of a lot of ha- hockey and try to make your own decisions. And, and, and you just practice like a flight simulator. You're, you're doing a, a, a call simulator where you're applying, you know, your view. But this is the thing that people also maybe aren't really in touch with if they're not umpires, is that they say, well, umpires need to practice more. But the things that umpires need to practice don't occur in practice situations. Yeah. The pressure, the tempers, the stakes being high, and the management issues that you need to be very good to do at dealing with, especially when you get to these top levels, you, you can't get that in a scrimmage. It just doesn't happen. And I know because I've tried, and I, I still encourage umpires to go out and do as many practice games and scrimmages as, as they possibly can because you can practice things like feet and obstruction and, you know, aerials and, and that sort of thing. But that's not really the hard stuff. 
the hard stuff is knowing how to talk to players. The hard stuff is, is determining and making the decision whether something is going to be called intentional or not. Um, it, communicating with your colleagues when there's a lot of volume in a stadium. Things like that, you can't train for. You just have to have the experience. And so I, I, I think it's, it's a valid point to say that, you know, that puts that video umpire under more pressure. But as an umpire, Diego Barbas is very experienced. He's been to the Indoor World Cup. He's got, I, at this point, more than 90 caps. He's, he's verging on his golden whistle. He's not a novice. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it, and of course, you would love to be able to have somebody with 25, 30 video umpire caps in the booth for all of these games, but it's just simply not possible. So I think it's a bit of a, you know, I understand the point, but I don't think that's being fair to the experience and the knowledge that an umpire of Diego's uh, stature actually has. Well, it seemed to be in all of the games that there were three umpires that were rotating through. So two did the first game and, and two did the second game and the odd one out was in the, in, in the box. Um, and certainly the, 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 there's some stuff come up as well about the fact that Diego's a, a, a Pan Am umpire and there would be a, a favouritism to a Pan Am team. Well, you look, look across all of the fixtures. You've got Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Hudson from New Zealand uh, umpiring for Australia versus Russia. Kern? You, you, yeah, you've got Kern. You've got Europeans doing the, um, the games in Europe and the Spanish games. Um, we haven't heard any Koreans complaining the fact that there wasn't any Asian umpires involved in their game. So I think that's a little bit silly. But what, it, what is the... What's the process of appointments? Who who makes the decision and, and who, who puts the mix of umpires together to get something complementary happening? Well, this is a new format that everybody's dealing with. So in general, the umpire the umpiring appointments come from the FIH umpiring committee. So they're the ones who would say, all right, here we're selecting from, for example, for these Olympic qualifiers, everybody with a pearly league panel apart. So we're talking about the top 20, 25 umpires in the world anyway. We're, we're not talking about, you know, all the foot soldiers that, that we have. We are talking about the, the, the upper, the top echelon anyway. Um, and then um, if this was a tournament situation, it would be the umpire manager in conjunction with the tournament director uh, deciding who exactly does which matches. Um, I'm actually not sure in these Olympic qualifying matches, if that was the case. Uh, if the individuals who are on each site, the umpire managers and the gate, the event director, I don't, I don't know, because it's not a tournament really, it's a series, but the top technical official, I, I'm i not sure if they were the ones who would choose. Uh, given what I've seen from the patterns, I think a directive came come from the umpiring committee saying we want these two people to have the first game and we want these people on the second game. Right, okay. Well, and that's just my, my that's my estimation given the experience level of the umpires who are involved and the tournaments that those umpires have been at. What surprises me, Keely, is that you're not in charge of FIH umpiring um, because you seem to be about the only, <laughs> the only spokesperson um, on the subject at the moment. Um, so there's the umpiring committee. Who's the spokesperson for the umpiring committee? When, how, how do we hear the, the wider hockey world? How do we hear the voice of the umpiring committee? Who's head of it? Why aren't they speaking out on this subject? 
that's a very good question. Um, uh, and I don't have an answer for you. If you want to see who is uh, on that committee and all of the FIH committees, all that information is available on the FIH website. So you can go have a look at it there. Uh, traditionally, there has not been any uh, direct communication from the committee to even the FIH umpires. Uh, they hear from, they, they get their appointments and their instructions and their fitness requirements and all that sort of thing through the committee secretary. Uh, that's been the traditional method. Things, of course, in the last couple, well, the last 18 months have uh, been pared down somewhat because of personnel changes, let's put it that way. Um, so th- there, there really hasn't been any communication that has gone from the FH. And that's that's one of the big reasons that I started doing FH umpires, to be totally honest, like 12 years ago, is that I saw that gap that people didn't know what was happening. And they didn't know when new rules were coming out and, and new interpretations. They didn't know who was getting promoted because that stuff wasn't being uh, that, that wasn't being circulated to the wider hockey community. And I thought, well, this is a great chance to, to show off awesome stuff that umpires are doing and to celebrate them and, and foster that sense of community. So um, I kind of fell into that role and it just sort of grew over the years into what's happening now, which is the trying to advocate for good sense the, the best way that I can from the experience that I have had and, and that sort of thing. And, just, just trying to present a different point of view that that most hockey people are don't have access to. Keely, in the in the wake of the the controversy surrounding this decision, uh, the FIH's only response has been to say that we don't talk about umpiring issues at all. We say we stay stum. Now, a is is that the appropriate stance to take? And I mean across the board, not just concerning this one incident. And what responsibilities? Does the, should the FIH have for explaining individual umpiring decisions? That's a really good question. It's something that I've been wrestling with over the last few days. And, and in talking to a lot of people, I, I really see the case for in big instances like this, there being something, uh, something published, something put out that helps the wider community agree because it's it's one thing for me to go on social media and talk and I'm I'm pretty well qualified and and I can I, I can help but people still don't I, I'm I am not the FH so they don't take what I'm saying as being any kind of final word that said I'm not sure if a- anybody would take the FIH <laughs> and what they said is the final word because when people have it in their heads that a manifest injustice has been perpetrated and it's intentional and it's awful and it's robbery and that sort of thing. It doesn't matter what the organization says because their minds are made up. So I, I like the idea of, and, and I think it would be important for the FIH to take the opportunity to come out and be more supportive of their personnel, of their umpires. I, I think it's an opportunity to say, you know, here's the parameters of the decision. This is this is what the umpire decided. It's within the rules, and if it wasn't a safe, we still stand behind our officials because that's part of sport, and that's what I'd like to hear from the FIH. That's 
that's what I'd like to do. It has happened in the past where there have been uh, very contentious decisions. I was talking to a friend of mine, Matt Harrison, back in England, and he was telling me about an incident at the London 2012 Olympics I was unaware of, where a video umpire had made a decision uh, to not award a foot to the Argentinian team that they had asked for on review. And when you watch the four angles that the broadcast showed, I mean, man, apparently it really did look like a foot. And the outrage from the Argentinians and all of their supporters was just, you know, right out there and probably on the level of what we're hearing from the Irish right now. (laughs) And after a few days, the FRH took the step of releasing the fifth angle that that video umpire had available to him. And when you saw that fifth angle, you went, oh, yeah, totally not a foot. Okay. <laughs> so video umpires exonerate. Everybody sings kumbaya. There's bouquets of flowers being sent to him by all the people who, you know, called him names on the internet prior to that. Just kidding. That never happened. Hopefully they were all from so, Dr. Dr. Bankford's Florence. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> he has a few extra to spare, so there you go. So so there are ways of dealing with it. The, the fear that I have is that you end up getting the FIH into this trap of having to respond to every decision yeah. that yeah. A, a, a team or a nation doesn't like. And, and we don't want that. But I, it, it, this was a very important series of two games. And I think more communication out of that would have been helpful. Uh, an official statement saying this is what the video umpire has available. They have five angles. And if they can, I, I don't even know if they can get their hands on that footage that wasn't included in the broadcast. It, I don't know if that facility was available. I don't know if the technology was in place. So it's hard for me to say, well, they should put that out there. If they have it, they should. But if they don't, I get it. Unfortunate, but. You yeah. made the made the point before about the the um, quality of the vision that the the umpire sees in the booth, and I think it's worthwhile repeating again. If you're making a decision based upon a crappy piece of footage you're seeing on Facebook that's highly compressed and absolutely stripped frame weight wise and all of those sorts of things, you're you're not getting half of the vision, the the picture that he's getting. And just, you're, not, you're not getting twenty percent of it yeah, if there's yeah. five cameras on. Yeah, but yeah, just on using that one shot as an example, he's getting, or the umpire is getting a um, a high gloss version, and you're getting the smudgy around the edges version. It's very difficult to make any sort of decision based on a grainy piece of fudgy video, such as the one we're getting on Twitter and Facebook at the moment. Yeah, but I, I watched it live. I was watching yeah. it on FIH.live at the time. We were having a fair bit of debate online <laughs> about it as well. And the first call on what I could see is, how's that a stroke? You know, that's a, 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 that's a, that's a corner at best. The, the, the thing that I find funny is that uh, the, yeah, there's an infringement there. The umpire yeah. got it right that there was an infringement there. So there's nothing to whinge about from that side of well, it. Well, no, no, the, the, the Canadian referral got it right. Yeah. That but, there was an infringement there. The, the point being that there's a lot being, a lot of this instance is being judged on a piece of footage that you, that doesn't do what, doesn't do justice it's, to the incident. It's not the whole picture. Yeah, that's right. 
It's not even the whole picture of the whole picture, if you no. get what I mean. No, and, it, and the, the waters have been muddied by, yeah, talk, talk of some kind of bribery and corruption and collusion and all of this, and it's absolute rubbish. Um, and it just, and I don't think there's any room in the game for accusations like that to be spread around. Ridiculous. And, and even, even more yeah, so, some, uh, some of the vitriol, in, including to yourself, Keely, is, is startling. Yeah, well, it's I, it, what's been directed to me is absolutely nothing. It's, it's it's not a problem, and I have no problem with explaining. I was at both of the games, and it was a great opportunity for for me to you know to see uh, to see some top level hockey in, in person. And to, I had a little development clinic going, so I had umpires that were doing exercises, and we were watching specific things as the game was going on, and it, and it was and it was really great. And because I had my umpiring hat on, I wasn't, I mean, I, I was cheering, but I, I wasn't really into the game in the same way. Because when you umpire, you don't look at the game the same way. You're, you're watching for fouls. You're watching umpires. You're, the things that you're p- picking up on are completely different to what a coach is looking for or what just a regular fan is looking for or a player trying to emulate a certain person who's on the pitch. They're looking for different things while they're watching the game. So I, you know, I was there. I was pretty much at the same angle that the camera was on, to be honest. I think the camera was actually pretty close to me on the center line. And and when I'm watching it in real time, too, I said, I, I'm really not sure what's, what's happening here. And I think that's one thing that I've, I've tried to bring out in the discussion is that we need to have a sense of humility when we watch these things, that maybe we're not the best positioned people to see what was seen and 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 what what truly happened and when you look at that play and the notion of it being a breakdown tackle and intentional in the sense that it was reckless and it was likely to to bring down that attacker and stop the play that's very much an issue of the angle and the, the distance between the defender and the attacker and how far behind the defender was when he had made the tackle. And that camera and where I was sitting on the sidelines was the wrong place to be. So you really did need a different angle in order to parcel that together. And then you needed a better resolution to see the stick coming up in between the attacker's feet after he had missed the ball that was, you know, a couple feet away. And then his feet in behind that may well have clipped the attacker's feet as well. So there's, there were things that we needed to see and we needed to be able to, to see to the same degree as the video umpire in order to have the certainty that everybody's trumpeting about on the internet. And I'm just like, maybe we just don't know. So let's not call for anybody's head. Okay, Keely, let's get to the big questions now. Is six cameras enough to provide the certainty that the hockey public seems to demand for making these decisions and if not should we just not have video referrals unless we have everything in place to provide that certainty the very jaded person in me who's been dealing with this issue over the last four days would say there are no number of cameras in the world enough to satisfy a group of supporters <laughs> who are angry at the decision. <laughs> so let's set that aside. Techn- te- technically speaking, I don't know what the right number of cameras is because 
I have watched enough of the video re reviews to see that there are times when an umpire looks at the very first angle and they've got what they need. So you could argue from that that all you need is one camera. I was watching this uh, from when I was watching the Spain-Korea match uh, from the from the weekend, uh, the second one, when Kuhn was in. And he was making this very quickly, very decisively. He couldn't have seen more than one angle at the time, unless, I, I don't know, he's magic and he can watch more than one angle over five seconds. But it, it, it is possible. And then sometimes you look at an angle and you go, well, I think I, I know what happened. But just in case, I'm going to check another one. And you're like, oh, God, that, that's totally different. And then, oh, I'm going to look at third and fourth. And, and then the, the clock is ticking and the Mission Impossible song is playing and, and it all starts mounting up. So I don't think there's an absolute answer. Obviously, ideally, you want, you know, the best 5K resolution cameras. You want, you know, 50 million of them. And that's great. I guess the question really needs to be, are we going to be satisfied with less than what we know is possible for a video review? And given the outcry that happened during the qualifiers tournament, the qualifiers, the qualifiers, when certain nations didn't have video review available to them, yeah. you know, that, that was very vociferous and I was one of the people who thought well that's that's awful everybody should have the video review and, and it should be and the FIA should be taking steps to make sure that smaller hosts can provide some form of video review and they cobbled it together at places like Lima at the Pan Am Games they just pulled something together for the last few matches and it wasn't fantastic but I believe the consensus was this is better than nothing so is it good enough? No. Is it better than nothing? I believe it is, but I know that there's a lot of discussion that we need to continue to have to, to make this decision as a as a community. I would hope that that's how we do it. You know, are we okay with that? Or do we want to go back to, let's just embrace human error again? Yeah, well, look, I understand the pain for Ireland and the elation for Canada, but they get to go and do it all again this weekend. So, God, I, God, I, the uh, the cameras are up to scratch there, and um, we've got some pretty thick-skinned umpires involved in the games. Well, I I have every confidence in the umpires that are going to be on that game. I, I don't know exactly who it is yet. I the appointment sheets are probably up uh, as we speak, and I'm <laughs> once I log off with you guys, I got some work to do on that, but. Um, Again, we're talking about the top umpires in the world. And those that are appointed this game, they're going to be ready for it. They know what's happened. They have their uh, their preparation and their training to fall back on. So I'm not worried about them. What I don't want to see is something that reflects badly on the entire hockey community. This event is going to be so big for Irish hockey. Big stadium in the rugby pitch, you know, I, I can't remember how many it seats, 12,000, 15,000, I can't remember. Um, I think it was just six, but, yeah. You know, tons of people in the stands. Okay, sure, let's go with six, great. So 6,000 people, which is still going to be more people than most of the players have ever played oh, yeah, in front please. of. We want this to be a marquee event. We want the best of hockey to be shown. So I really hope that, everybody keeps that in mind when they're there at the game and when they're talking about it and that sort of thing. It would be great to see some 
sportsmanship and maturity and things like that. I don't, yeah, I don't think between the countries necessarily there would be any ill feeling. I don't, uh, the, the stuff coming out of Ireland hasn't been about the Canadians in any way, shape or form. Not really. There's been a couple of accusations of diving, but you know, whatever, that happens all the time. But I think the way that we treat our officials in a sport is a really good reflection of what our overall culture of respect is going to be because we officials are the people who are going to be marginalized the, the earliest. We're, we're the most vulnerable. Yeah. We're the people that nobody understands and we're the people that players and coaches and administrators and national associations and, and fans literally hand over control to because we say, you know what? We can't make these decisions on our own because we're partisan. So we're going to let you as the umpires make the decision. It's a big, it's a big acquiescence of responsibility. And I understand how much emotion goes into that and how hard it is. But at the same time, we as umpires understand the privilege of being in that situation. And we're, we're accepting that responsibility because we're serving the game and we love to serve the game. Yeah, I think. So, so, I hope that we see that reflection in, in how things go this weekend. I think we as players have got to remember that um, the game needs umpires because we cheat. We cheat all the time, and we'll get you guys. We need umpires. He changed his tune. <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> every every player cheats. So every player, you know, the old idea of you know play till the whistle blows. No one, no one stops when they kick the ball until they hear the umpire blow the whistle. I mean, we need them in the game. Some of us do. Some of us put our hand up straight away when that happens, Keely, just uh, just to keep one in the pocket. You're obviously not talking about yourself. Mate, I do all the time, but it's because I save it up. So when there's that 50-50 decision late on in the game, I've earned yeah, enough yeah. credit early on going, he's an honest bloke. He, no, put, he puts, it, puts his hand up all the you time. You only do that for the ones right in front of you, of the umpire's face. <laughs> he's not got no chance of missing. Well, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so what? So what you're saying is you cheat in order, or you don't cheat in order to save up your cheating for later. Okay, I get it. No, that's, no, that's no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's saying. No. Really. I'm, ov- I'm overly honest. So, then, so when the, then when there's a borderline honesty call later on in the game, he then, doesn't then have to up- fess up. <laughs> I, just, I, I think that's, that's smart. Yeah. Uh, works works both ways. Uh, Keely, thanks for your time. Um, I know it's been a, a hectic few days for you because you've had a lot of people asking at times some fairly silly questions. But um, it's been good to have you on and explain some of the, the processes behind all of this because we don't really understand how it all works and what goes on a lot of us. And a lot of us are never going to play with a video umpire either. Um, so it's something very foreign to a lot of people. Indeed it is. Um, Keely, John thinks he's saying goodbye. Um, we're going to take a short break. You're coming back straight oh, after that we? with the latest round of Stick It to John.
Right, it's time to stick, 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 stick it to John. You're so proud of that, aren't you? Mate, it's a quality piece of work. (laughs) Kaylee, it's your turn to get involved. Can you not look over there, mate? You're looking at all my answers. Hang on, I'm going to have to just move the body here. uh, (coughs) Got to win somehow, mate. All right. I'm cheating, remember? (laughs) John Lee, if you cheat, I'm going to be super upset. (laughs) No, no, oh, oh, hands are gone hard. I haven't seen the answers. Now, this is a new format of Stick It to John, slightly oh. different angle on the way we played it before, John. What are um, you doing? I was on eBay yesterday, locally, ebay.com.au. Call yeah. us uh, for all opportunities for sponsorship. Um, and I just looked up a few hockey items on there. And uh, what I'm going to do, we've got five items here. I'm going to go down the list and read out, well, one by one, we'll go down and uh, read out what those items are. And you've got to tell me what the price is of that item in Aussie dollars. Now, Keely, just so you know, it's a 1.1 exchange rate at the moment. So 40 Aussie dollars would work out at $36.42 Canadian. So I'll let you Oh, that's the, helpful. I'll let you do the, uh, <laughs> the math. So remember, you're working in Aussie dollars, not Canadian dollars. Uh, we're going to toss a coin. Actually, oh, my we're... God, I'm totally screwed. I can't believe you're asking me no, that. We've, we've, got, we've got an FH umpire tossy thing. Oh, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah un- unzip. Is this a good week to give away your FH umpires? No, keep it, keep it for when you start umpiring, mate. You know, all top players, once they've finished uh, playing at the top end, they should move into umpiring. Once my representative career's finished. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yesterday. All right, I've got a beautiful little uh, wooden token here with an FH umpire stamp on one side and nothing on the other. Which which, which would you call heads in that case, Keely? Um, I would call the, the whistle to be heads. Whistle, sure. whistle is heads. All right, I'm going to um, give it a, a flick up now. And okay. you can give me a call as the guest. Heads or tails? I'm going to call heads. It's a tail. See, he's uh, cheating already. And it is honestly, it is honestly <laughs> a tail. Just, just prove that it's not a, it's not a double-headed or a, or a no, zero-headed no, it's coin. Tail. All right, well, there we go. John gets to go first on this one. Okay. All right, John, our very first item we're looking at in Stick It to John today is the Kookaburra Flare Shoe. Brand new pair, size four, including postage. Dollar value on that, please. Size four? Yeah. Brand new in the box? Um, I don't know. They, t- they take it out of the box to take photos. It would okay. be terrible putting a pair new. of shoes on uh, eBay that, and just showing the box. Never been worn then. Brand new, Prob- size four. Yeah, they didn't go too into detail whether they might have tried them on. Forty bucks. Forty dollars, John. Now, Keely, over to you. Cookaburra flare shoes, brand new, size four, including postage. What's your call on that? Is this like prices right? Where if I name one dollar more, I win. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's generally the way. But, but stupid, stupid people don't do it like that, do they, Katie? They go, oh, maybe it's one hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> if that was a backhanded compliment, I accept. And so, I, sorry, John, it was forty dollars that you said, yep. forty Australian dollars. Yep. So I will say forty-one Australian dollars. Forty-one Australian. Oh, they played here. <laughs> Right, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to save it right until the end. We're going to go through all five. Okay. So we're not going to go round by round with the results. All right, item number two. We've got a Gray's G-Force hockey set. Um, so that includes a stick, 32 or 34 inch, shin guards, ball, stick bag, brand new, with free postage. John, you go first on this one. Uh, 200. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think we should go the other way. We should probably switch it, shouldn't we? I really must work on the format more. Yeah, Keely, you can go first on this one. All right, Gray's G-Force hockey set, stick, shin guards, ball, stick bag, brand new with free postage. With free postage? Oh, my God. That's... Domestically in Australia. <sighs> Throws it off. Right. Domestic. Oh, okay. Well, 
Well, everything's just right next door to each other in Australia, isn't it? Um, let's see. Well, I'm going to say 50 Australian dollars. 50 Australian dollars. 50. 50. 50. Right, what are you on then, John? Uh, we're not closest to the pin, are we? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, closest to the pen. No, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go $220. $220. He obviously doesn't watch the prices, right? Okay, no, question number I three, third <laughs> item here. This is, uh, this is a stick. It's a Hexa Pro stick, a Carbon X stick. 90% carbon, 10% Kevlar, brand new, still wrapped, free postage. What's the dollar value, John? Uh, you can play along at home as well, guys. Yeah. You've got the answers coming at the end. Write them down. Uh, 340. Three, John, $340. Keely, Hexapro Carbon X. Name your price. I'm in it. $104. $104. Yeah, I take it because it's got free postage. That's actually coming from a, a, a vendor as such, as opposed to Bill sending his selling his hockey stick because if I'm Bill selling my hockey stick, I ain't paying for postage, mate. No, you're also probably not going to have 25 different hexa sticks available at the same no, time, that's are you? Right. No, I'm just getting some ideas in my head. That's okay, all. that's fine. We got two two goes left, mate. You better be quick. I think you're just making excuses, John, but that's okay. You just keep going. You do you. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, Keely, you're at first on uh, this next one, the fourth, the penultimate question. This is for a set of hockey goal nets, a pair, black, brand new, with free postage. The net free go- postage on hockey goal nets, that's insane. Oh, um, God, I'd, I'd say one minute. No, I'm not going to say that. Uh... <sighs> Can I have your answer, please? You, you... Can I can I take this upstairs to a video referral? Is that possible? <laughs> okay. <laughs> then nobody will agree with my answer. Um, I I'm gonna say one hundred and twenty-five dollars. One hundred and twenty-five dollars. Keely's answer there, John. What do you reckon? Two goal nets. A pair of goal nets, brand new, black, free post. Five hundred bucks. Five hundred dollars for John. I mean, you guys are playing it in the, in the spirit of the game. I like to see that, but you're not playing it in a winning spirit. Um, okay, this is our fifth and final item in Stick It to John for today. Uh, this is a Mazon Field Hockey blue bag. It's used. There's free postage. Um, it notes that there's a few loose threads, markings around the base from general usage. 25 bucks. $25 for John. And Keely, what do you reckon for the Mazon Field Hockey blue bag uh, with some markings around the base from general use? Well, I think I think John's onto something here, so I'm going to do the Price is Right thing, and I'm going to go 26. <laughs> All right, can you just play a little bit of interim music here for us, John? We'll a little get, bit we'll, of interim we'll, yeah, music. We'll, we'll go to the judges. Oh, some of your poetry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Keely, it's been tremendous uh, competing against you today, and uh, I know the. the the best person will win. And Katie, just quickly, how do you think? I agree. How do you think you went? How are you feeling at the moment before we go to the answers? Uh, I'm feeling extremely um, shaky right now. 
Um, I, I needed more angles. Uh, I needed a different currency. Um, and, and, and I'm just, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of preparation for this. So I'm just hoping I didn't embarrass myself. That's, that's all. Well, we're just about to find that out. I'm clearly. just hoping the result here will end my stick it to career, stick it to John career. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. Not with Look, such John, a quality we're jingle. We're all hoping that that will happen. <laughs> all right, for all of you that are playing along at home, you don't have to wait any longer. We're going to go through our results and uh, we'll let you know who won each round as we went along. Uh, item number one, the Kookaburra Flare shoe, size four, brand new, including postage. John went $40. Keely went $41. The actual amount was forty dollars. Oh, oh, and that's one. That's a one yes. to John. All right, our second item: the Grey's G-Force hockey set. Uh, that's a stick, thirty-two or thirty-four inch shin guards, ball, stick bag, all brand new, including free posted postage across Australia. John went two hundred and twenty dollars. Keely. Went fifty dollars. The actual amount was thirty-nine dollars ninety-nine. Keely pulls Damn. it level one all. Congratulations, Keely. Yeah, went a bit too hard there. Number three, the Hexa Pro Carbon X, ninety percent carbon, ten percent Kevlar, free postage, brand new, uh, posting from New South Wales all across Australia. John, uh, John, you went three hundred and forty dollars. Keely, you went one hundred and four dollars. Rather strangely. Uh, the actual amount for those of you playing along at home, and of course, for the two guys down the line here, $89.99. Keely takes the lead, 2-1. I've made a, I've made a couple of tactical errors here. Alright, this one is probably one of the most- You sure did, John, and I'm loving it. (laughs) This is one of the most surprising ones, I think, of, uh, of all of the Stick It to Johns we've ever played, John. Well, it's not surprising that you're losing, but that's that's a common occurrence. Item number four, a uh, pair of hockey goal nets, black, new, free postage. John went $500. Keely went $125. The actual amount was $79. And that puts Keely into an unassailable lead, but we will have to complete and just go through this fifth Can't be and very final. Good set of nets. <laughs> it's the Mazon Field Hockey Blue Bag used. Free postage, a few loose threads, markings around the base from general usage. John went $25. Keeley went $26. Actually, well, actually quite expensive. $34.95. Ah, damn it. Keeley, a 4-1 victory. Congratulations. How do you feel? Uh, You know, I just went out there and I gave it 110%. Um, I stuck to the game plan. And, you know, just, just took it one quarter at a time. And, um, I'm delighted for my non-existent teammates. And, um, we just can't wait to see what's in store for me now. Well, Keely, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, I hope you enjoy the, the, the spoils of your victory. Um, you, of course, get our very best wishes. <laughs> wow, it's too much. I couldn't possibly accept it, but I guess I'll have to. Hello, I'm Nick Irvin, and you're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And thank you to Nick Irvin there, and uh, thank you also to Keely Dunn uh, for having a chat to us about some of the issues that came out of uh, 
the Ireland Canada game and yeah. explaining some of the technicalities of what the the role of the official is and how it's carried out and those sorts of things. Look, I think Keely made the point. It's not going to matter what evidence pops up anywhere. It, it, people are divided now on one side of the line or other. It's yeah. going to be very hard to shift opinion. I, I posted something on Facebook on the Monday and I put, made a few points. And one of the one of the points there was that um, there will be no appeal process. Associations, whether they be national, local or, or international associations, they have to back their umpires. They have to back the decision-making decision yeah. process and their processes that have led to that umpire being in that situation. They can't do anything else, otherwise the whole system fails. What they need to do is be a bit more transparent, a bit more open, and actually front things, not not hide behind no comment or not hide behind we do not um, discuss umpire uh, on-field umpire decisions. It's it's um, there needs to be a voice coming out from the FIH. Uh, in this case, there probably does. I mean, I'm not against the idea that they say nothing about umpiring as a if that's the position they take, but that means you've got to say nothing about umpiring, and that goes for positive things as well. Yeah. Um, so if if you're going to do lots of flowery social media posts about umpire this and umpire that and X, Y and Z, then you've got to be prepared to do the hard ones as well. Well, it's it's we've seen the celebritisation of umpiring, haven't we? That's right. Um, and you've, you've you've got to take the rough with the smooth or nothing at all. And and I, I feel the same about the the yeah, the, the um, video umpiring altogether. It's you either have it all or you don't have it all. Yeah, well, that's been a lot. Of, one of the things that frustrated me about, is, uh, apart from actual the decision itself and the the reaction to that, but all the other conversations that that has started about other things like um, the role of video umpiring. Uh, we brought it up there with a little bit with Keely. With is six cameras enough? Yeah. Uh, is there a certain minimal level that we expect as as the hockey community? And remembering that. These things don't just happen for free. You don't just say, oh, well, why don't we have 12 cameras instead of six? Well, that's another six cameramen. It's another six cameras. Yeah. It's another six loads of cable that have to be run out. It's, it, it's actually all of this argument comes back to finances. Yeah. And if you ain't got the money to provide a the whole... <laughs> Well, that's this is, this, bizarre but this too. isn't this isn't the first time, is it? That, with the, that there's been a venue of a top international match where there's been failure of a horn, and this has happened all over the world, or, yeah, no, yeah. or no horn whatsoever. You know, we're a pretty horny horny sport. <laughs> boom, boom. Where's the cricket one? Where's the cricket one? Um, yeah, you look. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I would have thought having those things in place and working properly is a Basic requirement before you even go off and start talking about having video umpires. Yep. You know what I mean? You mean we don't, we can't have a horn that works for a game. Now who knows why they? We can get the, we can get the heckler onto that. Car yeah. battery in a in a fishing tackle box. He's been making them for everyone. Yeah, well yeah. there you go. Um, We've got a contact. It. If the technology hey, exists, yeah, hashtag FIHR listening. Then give us a shout. We've got somebody who can hook you up. But. Um, when those little things that you think are just no-brainers are expected by everybody, that, that don't we have one of those, yeah. um, go wrong. You got to, It's really pointing somewhere else. There's problems somewhere that aren't being addressed and aren't being fixed. Yeah, yeah. And look, the, the interesting thing about it too is neither of these teams had played under the video referral system in this qualification round. Well, obviously, at other events they may very well have, but... 
their Olympic qualification events to get to this stage didn't have video umpiring, right? I'm not, I'm not sure on that. I don't know. You're telling me that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, or maybe the one, one in Malaysia did. I can't remember which teams went through which qualifiers. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The point being that there's been a change in the playing conditions while the qualification process has been going on. Now, if they had played this under the previous round of qualification, playing conditions, the ball would have gone over the back line, the upper water would have gone 16 and they would have walked off and Ireland would be going to the Olympic yeah. Games. But that didn't happen. No. Uh, uh, and you, look, I understand the injustice, injustice that's oh, being found by Ireland. And it's happened to them in countless other sports. But don't Ireland remember, it's, your, it's the hockey community that demands we have the video umpire. Here. Yeah. It, it, it's not, Ireland who said we've got to have a video, or Canada that said we've got to have a video umpire. It's the hockey community that demands it now. Yeah. So the question the hockey community needs to ask, if, you, if, if we're going to have it and we demand that we have it, and the game can only afford this, are we prepared to accept that, mm-hmm. that level? And I think the, the other thing to consider as well is some of the stuff that's coming out on social media, a lot of people just need to cool their jets. And remember, we are a hockey family. Now, the people that are umpiring... They're hockey people too. They've been involved in clubs all of their lives. They've chosen to take a, a, a route where perhaps, you know, a lot of them have realised that they're not going to be a top international player but still think that they can give through umpiring and still think that they can be involved at top events as, as an umpire or actually enjoy umpiring. There's, you know, as we know, there's, there's lots of players that do play and umpire as well. But they're all part of our hockey family. So, Christ, just give them a break. Um, this is sport. There's ups and downs, and there's so many vagaries along along the way in games and qualifications. It's it's got to be heartbreaking to lose out at that final final second, um, but e- equally elating for for Canada to Don't secure forget, that. Canada was three down. Yeah, they stuck Canada at it. They down. kept their referral. They they kept on playing. They got a lucky break. They had a referral. They called it. Um, if it was a corner, it could have gone in anyway. You know, if, if, if yeah. that's if that's what was given, there was opportunities for both t- teams to win and lose it in the, in the shootout system, which, by the way, as we talked about, is a shit way to to go out of any tournament, yep. particularly going towards Agreed the Olympic 10%. Games. I would have I would have made them play another ten minutes. That would be my preference. Would have been to see those two. T- yeah. And you get the feeling on the way the momentum was in the game at the time. It would have been Canada that scored mm. the golden goal. But you can never tell. Or you don't know. Hypothetical. And yeah. I, exactly. Yeah. Just uh, I, I hope. It's all, it all gets put to bed now, particularly on social media. If not, we'll be retweeting and reposting things. Do check out at the reverse stick on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. And of course, a big thank you as always to our Patreon subscribers. We couldn't do this without you. If you'd like to support us in our hockey podcast endeavours, please do head to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick. Anything you can give will be most welcome. There's a few different tiers, um, on there and you get some bonus content like pictures of John looking like a Russian. Can we put that to bed now? Not the Russian, the other stuff. You're not going to bed with the Russians, mate. No, but I have entered into a lucrative land deal for a hotel in Moscow. <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. <sighs> That's my lot for 118, mate. It's been a pleasure sitting with you here once again. Have you again. done for the day? And um, what's also great is that you lost it. Stick it to John once again. You think that's the best thing <laughs> in the whole program? Look, if you want to challenge John and stick it to John, send me an email, matt at the reverse stick dot net, and uh, maybe you could be on episode 119. 
next week. Uh, yes, enjoy the qualifiers this weekend. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I've got nothing else on either. Apparently I'm doing a lot of gardening just, this yeah, weekend. Just, don't, don't, <laughs> don't tell the better half. Uh, enjoy your hockey weekend, folks. Uh, I hope you get over the tragedy of the last week, too. It's been a trying week for a lot of people. Not us, necessarily, because, really, hasn't affected us at all, has it? No, we, we're just influence, influencers sitting on the sidelines. Oh, OK, so yeah. we are. Uh, and I feel sorry for all of the teams who won't be going to the Olympic Games. Uh, the Irish, everybody else as well. It's, it's a tough road, our sport, and uh, it's only once every four years. What's the bet in an umpiring decision at the end of the game? Gives Ireland the win at the weekend. So uh, this business with India pulling out of the Commonwealth Games and um, obviously hockey not being a part of the hockey, the Commonwealth Games for India. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, no comment. Uh, well, all right, let's let's try this. And what about um, the controversial video umpire decision at the end of the Ireland Canada game at the weekend? Uh, any views on that? Uh, no, no comment. Um, all right. Twenty nine ninety nine for a dozen roses. Do you think that's quite expensive from Dr. Cuckoo's florist? Oh, they're pretty roses. <laughs>